years ago, as I started praying about, like, I think God's calling me someday to plant a church, one of the things I did was I started this document where I started tracking all kinds of different things. And eventually there were these four words that bubbled to the top and just kept coming back to. And, and they, for us, are core values. There are things that, like pillars or core distinctives of CityWell. And the words, I'll, I'll tell you what they are right now. Creativity, community, celebration, and generosity. Creativity, community, celebration, and generosity. And those words are what we're going to walk through in this series. See, they're things that I believe we were called to build this church on. And I'm not saying that they're the only things we value, because they're not. But, and I'm also not saying that churches that don't value them are doing something wrong. I just believe there are four things that we were called to step into and make sure that are uh, essential part of who we are. So today we're starting out with we value creativity. We value creativity. And if you were to try to say, well, what does that mean? And you go out and you Google, what's creativity? Google will tell you the use of imagination or original ideas, especially in the production of artistic works. Well, okay, now what's an artistic work? That field is huge. The arts include everything from photography, video, music, painting, interior design, graphic design, literature, and so much more. The other thing, though, is the arts are powerful. They're incredibly powerful. The best artists can can create an emotion in you from the works that they make. And um, an interior designer creates an emotion in you when you walk into a space. An uh, artist that paints pictures can create emotions. Literature and movies and images all have the power to do that. Even advertising does that. And that a lot of advertising targets that. See, the thing about creativity and using the arts is it doesn't just grab your attention. It grabs your heart. So what's our working definition of creativity? It's probably going to change and evolve. But right now, if you were to say, what do I mean by creativity, that we value creativity? I would say as a church, we are not confined by historical or cultural norms in our communication, media, or worship. We use creativity to communicate the gospel to the lost and hurting generation. As a church, we, we don't need to be like all the other churches. We don't need to communicate like all the other churches. We have the freedom to communicate and do things unique to us to reach people that no one else is reaching. And maybe you get nervous with me saying that we, we want to use creativity to reimagine some things or that we're fine with abandoning historical Christian norms. But here's the thing. I want to put you at ease. There's some things we'll never abandon. We will never abandon scripture. We will never abandon the word of God as an authoritative source for truth. And we will never abandon the gospel. Jesus is the only hope for salvation for those who believe. He, He is our only hope. He is the only option. But the way we communicate scripture, the way we communicate the gospel, may and will evolve over time to best connect with the present generation. And God, God is a creative God. In Genesis 1, we see right from the beginning, very first verse in the Bible shows us that God created. He is the one that created. God is a creator. He imagined the sunset. He imagined the platypus. 
And let's just pause for a minute. Come on. Like, a duck-billed platypus, and I think it's a mammal? What in the world? And Steph's saying it lays eggs. It's a mammal that lays eggs. And, oh, just, all right, right now in the comments, can you just tell me, like, for me, it's duck-billed platypus, but what is the most ridiculous creation that God made, in your opinion? What, what do you think was the most ridiculous thing that God made? He's incredibly creative. And not only did he create, he also made people creative. We are creative. He helped Israel figure out, as they're getting out of slavery and out of Egypt and going into the wilderness for a time, he he said, you know what? I want you to build this tabernacle. In other words, a tabernacle is just a fancy Bible word for tent. So they had this tent where they came to worship that eventually led into the temple. But he gave all these specific instructions. I want you to build it like this. And, and we see in Exodus 35, it says, Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezael, son of Uri, the son of Hur, from the tribe of Judah. Then jumping to 34, it says, To make artistic designs. To what? Artistic designs for the work of gold and silver and bronze to cut and set stone to work in wood and engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he had given him an Aholiab, son of Ahizamak, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to what? Teach others. So God appointed people with the special gifting of being incredibly artistic and craftsmany to be able to build his tabernacle. But not only could they do the work, he also gifted them to be able to teach others because he cared about the way the place people were coming to worship presented him. And every single detail all pointed back to the glory of God. So as we're forming Citywell, we want to be a church that's creative in the way we communicate and do things. But all of it is going to point people to a relationship with God. That's always where we're going to end up. We're going to try new things. We want to be innovative. We're launching online, not in person, which is kind of unheard of. Everybody else launched in person and got pushed online. But as a church, we're going to do everything short of sin. And that includes being as creative as possible to reach people with the gospel. But you may say, how's this affect me? Because I'm not a creative person, right? That's most of us don't think we're creative people, but let me tell you, God made you creative. You might not be the next Michael or Leonardo da Vinci, but you are creative. You are creative. See, we see in Genesis that God created mankind in his own image. The idea of being created in the image of God means that you have some of the characteristics of God just naturally part of who you are. You have a creative Capacity, even if you don't think you're creative, maybe you're just like, I'm just a diesel mechanic. And we got some diesel mechanics on our launch team. And you're like, I'm not a very creative person in general. And like, as we were starting to set up our live stream and getting the equipment ready, one of the problems we ran into was how do we get everything plugged in right? On time, really quick. One of the guys from our team, Abby, who is a diesel mechanic, he showed up with a bunch of different color electrical tape and said, we're labeling everything with the color, like blue goes to blue and red goes to red and green goes to green. And it was incredibly simple, but it was a creative solution 
to our problem. He, he used the capacity of creativity that God put in him to solve the problem we had. As, as you grow in your capacity for creativity, it will help you, and you grow in your ability to communicate it. It's going to help you just do incredible things in work, in school, in, at your home, in life, and through city well. So today we want to outline four of the biggest creativity killers. And the amazing thing about these things are, if you look to secular research, you will see that they point to these things, killing creativity and productivity. But also, if you look to scripture, you'll see that scripture points to these things, sometimes being sin, but other times hurting you from being able to live fully uh, in the things God's calling you to do. So what are our creativity killers? We want to identify them so that we can raise our creative capacity to be as effective as possible uh, in life and for God. So creativity number one is the comparison trap, the comparison trap. This is something we almost all fall into. You think like, if I just had fill in the blank, like so-and-so, all my problems would go away. And some of you have bought some ridiculous stuff over the years, where like you got sucked into believing that this thing was going to solve all of my problems. And I would love to know what that is. What is the most ridiculous impulse purchase you ever made thinking it was going to solve some problems for you? In the chat right now, what was your most ridiculous impulse purchase you ever made? Because we buy things that we don't need, and we think they're going to impress people we don't even like. We get sucked into the infomercial like a bug to a light, not realizing that we're just blowing all our money on things that look way better than they actually are. We, al- we always try keeping up with the Joneses, right? But one of our launch team members posted this week to stop trying to keep up with the Joneses because he saw them at Walmart and their credit card was declined. He, God, God knew we were going to struggle with this in this world. He knew it was coming. And so when he made that big 10 list of things, like avoid these big 10 items, uh, we call it the 10 commandments. This made the list. The comparison trap made the list. It's Exodus 20, 17. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house or covet your neighbor's wife or his male or maid servants or his oxen or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. We don't have oxen. We don't have donkeys anymore, but maybe you're a little more on the redneck side. If you're more redneck, it would read something like this. Don't be jealous of his hot wife, his landscape business, his pickup truck, his tractor, or any of the other toys in his garage. Now, in the church world, this would read to a pastor or somebody who's really involved and loves their church, something like, hey, don't be jealous of their senior pastor, their staff, their building, their sound system, their children's ministry. Don't get jealous of them. We need to stop spending time comparing ourselves to others. So about 10 years ago, Windows decides they are going to release a Windows phone. And it is a big deal to them. They're like, this is going to be a world changer. It's going to be the best phone ever. Everybody already knows the Windows platform. So our phone's going to kick iPhones. But we are going to be iPhone. iPhone is dead. And that's what they're thinking. So Windows actually had their employees host a funeral for the iPhone. They brought in a hearse and printed a giant iPhone that looked like this. And they loaded it in the back of the hearse. And they, like, this was a huge thing for them. We are going to kill the iPhone, the death of the iPhone. 
fast forward a few weeks, Apple hosts a big event where they're releasing their new material, their new devices. And you know what happens? They start talking about their company, the trajectory of the business, and the trajectory of the products. You know what they didn't mention once? The Windows Phone. It did not come up in conversation at all at their event. Now let me ask you, which company still dominates the phone world today? It's Apple. They still are the standard. And as anybody have a Windows Phone? To be honest, I know one guy and he switched away from it like two years ago because it wasn't supported anymore. Windows was trying to keep up with the Joneses. Apple methodically worked to improve upon themselves. And they used themselves as the benchmark for improvement. And you know what? It paid off huge. God doesn't want you to compare yourself to others. He doesn't want you to try to have the gifts that other people have because you think if you were just like them, you'd be able to do great things and be able to be creative. He wants you to consistently work to improve your, the gifts he has given you to, for his glory and uh, for just to continue to improve your life. It's not about comparing yourself to others. It's about honoring him. Comparison trap number two that we fall into is lack of margin. And what is margin? The most common place we use this term is when we're talking about a piece of paper, right? Anybody in high school, you always had your teachers say, all right, you need to type your assignment and it needs to be Times New Roman, 12-point font with what? A one-inch margin. It's that one inch of white space all the way around the outside of your paper. It's white space. It's nothing. It's intentional nothingness, which is good. See, when we, do, when we live without margin, without that intentional nothingness, it creates additional stress in us. And there's two areas. I'd encourage you to make sure you're building margin into your life. And the first is your finances. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, you are one, you are one accident, one health scare, one broken cell phone. And on the subject of broken cell phone, I dropped my cell phone in the toilet this morning before flushing. And I was terrified and it keep, kept working and I lysoled the snot out of it. But you're one broken cell phone away from being a financial mess, right? But when you have margin in your budget, and what I mean by that is you spend less than you make and you have intentional strategic savings. When you live with that margin, it helps you be able to live with peace. It helps you maximize your budget. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, your car starts acting up. What happens? You think, what's the quickest fix I can do to get by? And you know what usually happens when you do the quickest fix you can do to get by? You have to fix it again. And usually the fix again is way more expensive than fixing it right the first time. But when you live with margin, it still hurts when you're like, oh, I got to get this car fixed. It's still like uh, you don't want to spend the money, but you're able to go to the shop and say, I want it fixed right. And you know what happens? You end up saving more money in the long run. The stress reduces and your mind's able to better be creative and perform. And, and it also prevents you from getting in the situation where debt is the only solution. Because Proverbs tells us the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. We want you to have as much freedom in your life 
as you possibly can, but to be able to have that freedom. One of the things you have to do is choose intentionally where your money is going to go so that your money, what you spent in the past, isn't choosing now what's going to happen because your past spending can trap you if you don't build in margin. Now, we could spend the whole rest of the time here, and we, we aren't going to. But if you say, I, I need to get that figured out. I don't even know where to start. I'd encourage you, message us, and we can help you start figuring out what does a budget look like, because you need a budget to have margin. Second area I want you to think about having more margin is with your time. So a few weeks ago, a miracle happened in the Grick household. Steph and I and all four of our children were ready to go out the door 10 minutes before we needed to leave. I was like, this is the best day ever. Awesome. We were just like chilling and enjoying each other and relaxing and happy. And that's always the goal, but it actually happened. And I was like, this is wonderful. Can this be every day? Right? There's just a peace that happens. And when we have peace, it creates an opportunity for our minds to be creative. I know for me personally, the times I have the most peace are when I'm in the shower because I can't hear anything else. In the car, driving down a back road, and usually I go without the radio on. If I just need to relax, no radio, just drive in back roads. Or I'll, I'll get out into nature, somewhere where I don't see anybody, I don't hear anybody, and all I hear is birds chirping. And those are times I have the most peace. But there are also times I can be the most creative. And studies have consistently shown if you are swamped and you don't have that time in your schedule to be able to have those moments to get away, it's going to make you less happy and less productive and less creative. We think of busy being equating to important, and it's not. The most successful creative people aren't busy. They may have full schedules, but they are planned in how they have their schedules so that they have margin. See, when you have margin, you can plan your time well. Jesus talking about building a tower. says, suppose one of you builds a tower. Wouldn't you first sit down and estimate the cost to make sure you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are unable to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying the person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Now, Jesus here is talking about counting the cost of following him, but he also just lays out a general life principle for that illustration. That if we want to be successful, we need a plan. We need a plan. You need a plan with your money. You need a plan with your time to make sure you have the margin for ne- margin you need to be successful so that you don't end up in a situation where people ridicule you. You can't just have an idea and rush ahead and say, I'm going to do this and just always fall short on time. The other benefit of having margin when it comes to your time and planning is that it allows you to seek advice. Proverbs tells us for a lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. When you have a plan and you have a schedule and you intentionally build in margin, and then all of a sudden something comes up where you're like, you know what? I need, I need to figure out more of this. You have the ability not to keep up with the Joneses, but to seek advice. You can call up uh, Biezel, you know that guy from Exodus who was skilled at like everything, but also ha- was able to teach people? You can call him up and go, hey, I have an idea. Can I run it by you? You're going to have the most success and be able to create the most creativity through that. So a lack of margin, lack of that extra room, being too snug, is something that will kill our creativity. The other thing that does is a lack of restraint. And so margin is you're too cramped in, and a lot of times it's your finances or it's your time. You you schedule too much and don't have the room to breathe. Lack of restraint means you don't have anything 
holding you back. You just do whatever feels good at the moment. And that kills our creativity. When I was in college, I had a philosophy professor give us a final paper we needed to write. And the requirement was of the paper was we had to write a paper. It needed to be on anything related to philosophy. And it had to be to college standards. And that was it. And the whole class really, really struggled. Like, how many pages does it need to be? What does it need to be on? How many sources do we need? What format does it need to be? Does it need to be APA, Turabian, MLA? Like, what? What margin? What size font? He gave us nothing. And we kept asking questions, and you know what? He wouldn't answer them. And we had too much freedom, and all of that left us feeling unable to move forward. It killed our creativity. Proverbs, Proverbs understood that, that when you, when you don't have restraint, and some, a lot of times that restraint needs to be personally imposed on yourself. It hurts you. We see uh, in Proverbs, it says, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? In other words, you're 22 years old and your mama is still calling to wake you up. Get your own butt up. You need some personal responsibility. Stop staying up until 3 o'clock in the morning so that you can get up for work tomorrow. Go to sleep so you can get up. And then it continues. It says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little fold, another hand, the rest. That's what we do, right? We think, oh, I'm just going to sleep some. But when we don't create those personal restraints in our life, it says in 11, here's the result. And poverty will come on you like a bandit. And scarcity like an armored man. It's always better to create the restraints yourself. <laughs> Looks like the wrong verse came in, but you get the point. It's always better to create the restraints yourself than to let outside forces create the restraints for you. You choose yourself. I'm going to get up. I'm going to do these things because otherwise poverty comes and that creates its own restraints. So back to, back to finances. Some of you live on Friday without restraint and then you live the following Thursday with absolutely no margin. And that's a problem. Again, in Proverbs twenty-two seventeen, it says, whoever loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. And if you were to ask me, I love eating out, I would eat out every time I could, but my budget doesn't allow it. So, so I've created the personal restraint that I'm going to cook at home. I eat higher quality food at a lower cost, and I would enjoy eating out more, but I enjoy even more having freedom of not being in debt. So number four, Creative killer number four is an echo chamber. I don't think I need to tell you what an echo chamber is because we all just spent the entire last year in a ton of different echo chambers. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. The country should shut down. The country shouldn't shut down. We, we found people who agreed with us, and we just kept listening to them and contributing to that conversation. And then the election came, and we went, if the other guy wins, the country is doomed. And we were in this echo chamber where we couldn't hear anything else. Anytime we're in an echo chamber, we end up in a situation like this. Proverbs 18, 17. The one who states his case first seems right until someone comes and cross-examines him. We need to have multiple voices in our life. We need other people with other ideas. And when we do, it creates more creativity. Do you know it's pretty common in, in, in the industrial world? And we, we've seen companies who are starting to realize this. They bring in all of the experts on a specific subject they're trying to solve. And you know what 
what happens? They can't solve the problem. None of the experts. They'll spend millions and millions of dollars trying to solve it. And then one day, a guy who knows almost nothing about the subject, but is pretty smart in other areas, comes and looks at the problem, goes, I know, I know this isn't my field, but have you tried this? And usually whatever that is solved the problem. It happens all the time. And you know why? Because all the experts were trained not to be able to solve the problem unintentionally. But the person who knows almost nothing can see it from a completely different perspective and solve it. We need to look for creativity and inspiration from people with different perspectives. And some, some Christians may not like this. And you go, shouldn't we just look for inspiration from God and the Bible and Jesus? Yeah, they, they are a source of inspiration. But, but we can also learn from the business world, from film, from TV, from arts, even from the news on how to inspire and communicate people with a clear gospel message. So what creative, creativity killer is affecting you the most? Is it, is it the comparison trap? Is it lack of margin? Is it lack of restraint? Is it an echo chamber? What is messing you up? And what can you personally do this week to grow in that? But here's the deal. Our goal of our creativity is always to point people to Jesus. As much as possible, we want people to hear the story of Jesus. That God loves them, sent his son for them. And every other world religion says, if you do this, then you'll have redemption. It's all about your actions and your behavior. The Christian message, the message of scripture, is completely creative because it breaks all the cultural norms, all the norms of the other world philosophies, because it's not about what you do. It's about what God did for you. That Jesus died on the cross for your sins because he loves you. And he's extending a relationship to you. And all you have to do is say yes. It's not about you. It's about what he did for you. And it's beautiful. And it's creative. And it's unique to the Christian message. And that gift is offered to you. And if right now you say, you know what? I need a relationship with Jesus. I would love to be able to connect with you and help you figure out what does that look like. If you would, just text the word Jesus to 610-590-8550, and we will be in touch with you to help you figure out how do I get that relationship started and what are my next steps. But let me pray. Jesus, I pray that we can be a church that's creative, that we see the world in a different way, but in a way that honors you so that we can give you the most glory. And I pray as individuals, you help us be creative. I, I pray you help us be as successful in this world, in the things that you call us to as possible because of the way we see things differently because we take time to set, set up our life for the most success. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we are glad that you were able to join us this morning to learn a little bit more about one of our values, which is creativity. And you know someone that's really creative? This lady over here. <laughs> I was going to say, that's one of my favorite things. <laughs> yes, she is super creative. I, I just try. appreciate that about you. Oh, thank you. Really great job. I was yeah. one of those kids that always play with boxes. Oh, yeah. I know, <laughs> yeah. <things. laughs> Boxes are great. Who who needs toys when you have boxes, yeah, right? That, that was like my whole world creating things. When, anyways, yes, I know. Me. We digress. <laughs> okay, so yes, if you want to know more about having a relationship with Jesus, or if you decided to start a relationship with Jesus this morning, 
text the word Jesus to our phone number, and we would love to talk with you more if you have questions or just pray with you, whatever. Text that number. Just let us know. Yeah, yeah. And if you're new, if it's your first time here, if it's your first time watching us, make sure you text new, and uh, we'll send you all the um, form, all the good stuff that we have, some gifts for you. And, um, yeah, we're glad that you're here. Yes. Yeah. And um, I just want to pray for um, this week. Close us up with prayer. Um, God, we thank you for this beautiful message. We thank you for the week that you have ahead for us, that that you're going to let our creativity go beyond our imagination, Father. Let that creativity expand to every single aspect in our lives, in our work area, with our family, um, with with our church, God. And that uh, our hearts will continue to open to you, that we can learn from you, that we can keep hearing your word. And um, I pray that you will bless everybody who's watching this video, that their week will be uh, blessed and that open doors that need to be open will be open and doors that need to be closed will be closed. And you will give us the peace and wisdom to move through um, the week um, in a good way. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Um, In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We'll see you next week.